This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HardcoreHusky.com, covering Washington Huskies football with message boards full of debauchery and childlike wonder. Folks who are well-known in cyberland and not that dumb, except for our little fudgy who is wrong about everything. So come join the gang and register today for free at HardcoreHusky.com. And now it's time for the show. Another one. We the best. I'm out. Uh, cause you're like, oh yeah, you're the fucking beaver. Uh, you're like poop, but worse. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. <laughs> you know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. The weather is perfect, the field is fast at the Rose Bowl for tonight's ball game. So uh, what did you guys think of what you saw as you head back in the bus? Oh, I mean, on a positive outcome, I think what it's kind of what I expected, almost to a T. Uh, the offense can move the ball, especially through the air. Uh, the defense is a little bit questionable. Uh, it gave us a point, but overall pretty good and uh, fun to watch. I mean, it's not really much simpler than that. And, you know, Penix looked like uh, a guy who's, who's looked and felt as a control of the Husky offense, you know, for a long, long time. It's my, it's my quick summation. Yeah, he looks like a veteran quarterback. For, for the team, like he's been here a couple years already, and um, yeah, it's just a positive to watch a, a modern day offense, you know, surgically, you know, maneuver its way down the field. Uh, I mean, that was pretty pretty refreshing to see. You've got a you've got a team that's bad defensively, uh, Kent State, bad defensively. And you should be moving the ball, and, and you did move the ball. You beat a bad team. That's you know that's that's what you should do. So um, that's some good positives. Do we want do we want to get to the negatives? Yeah. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Well, I want to I want to bridge that I want to bridge that with a question though. What do each of you think? Like if, 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 if Michael Penix was everything I hoped he would be. It was absolutely what I envisioned, you know, and of course he didn't have much of a pass rush and that kind of thing, and it wasn't a very good team, blah, blah, blah. Can you guys hear? I'm suddenly hearing a lot of noise. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we're in the bus. We're in the bus. I know, but all, all, all of a sudden there was a big roar of an engine. The, the fucking Detroit diesel engine. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but so he, he Penix was everything I hoped he would be so far. But if you take Michael Penix and put him in last year's offense with Donovan against Kent State, you know, where, how do we end up? I mean, the, wouldn't the defense be better if you, you know, would would you? I don't. 
Do we Did we have a good defense, defense last year? I mean, that's I mean, a fair was, question to ask. But I guess my be, point is how that nothing's an island. Is, okay, that go defense ahead. is made for a lead. That the defense, the Jimmy Lake feet, you know, Quickowski defense is made to, you know, when you have a fourteen to nothing lead, you know, and you need to pass. That's what it's made for. I mean, so I don't know. We win a couple more games with Penix last year. We win a couple more. Absolutely. I mean, in person, it's different between John Donovan's offense and you're going through a spring and a fall camp with this offense and cooking staff. But I mean, they put Dylan Morrison, and in person, it was just night and day of just like the end two of them. I mean, it just felt like FedEx never felt never felt off his center at all. And it's just Bill Morris ran out there and he was like, oh, God, this is like, let's hope that, you know, we don't let them back in the game uh, somehow. I mean, I, yeah, it's just – I think time will tell, but it certainly felt like a completely different energy between those two quarterbacks. Uh, as much as you could probably put on John Donovan, too, and Jimmy Lake. Yeah. You know, it was really interesting, though, if you think back to 2019 in the fall camp where I think everybody with a brain cell or two uh, to rub together knew that um, that uh, uh, Jacob Eason was going to be our starter, but Peterson insisted on having it be a big – I'm hearing a big roar again, guys. Yeah, we're going up a hill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how this is going to turn out in the recording, but uh, we'll see. Um, so, it, but it, so it was just to reiterate what I was what I was saying here is that if you think back to the 2019 fall camp, Jacob Eason, everybody knew that he was going to be the starter, I think, but Peterson insisted on making it a competition all the way to like the last week of camp, and then it ended up with really bitter feelings, and and Hainer left, and. What I'm trying to say is I think everybody with any common sense knew going into this year's camp that Penix was going to be the starter, and yet it seems like both Morris and uh, Heward, uh, there's no there's no bitter feelings that, that I'm hearing at all or seeing or sensing at all. It seems like that um, DeBauer, DeBoer handled that situation a lot better than Peterson did. Yeah, I think that uh, Morris, Morris, from everything we hear and, and uh, read about Morris and um, just looking at him on the on the sideline, he doesn't look like a guy who who's you know got one foot out the door. He looks like a guy who may actually stick it out for his whole career here and then like become a GA or something, you know, hmm. something like that. I, I, I hear I hear he loves this program so. I don't know. It's it, you know, as long as he's not playing all the time, you know, it's a positive <laughs> to have a guy. Well, I mean, it's a positive to have a guy. You know, just stick in, stick with the program and and uh, you know, be around for years to come. It's not it's not a bad thing. You know. No, he seems like a very much a team guy. So yeah, I I don't uh, yeah I don't want to. I don't want to crap on him too much, but, you know, he was playing against backups and he was playing with his backups, 
Well, I think that yeah. Kent State probably had most of their starters still left in the defense, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, did, it just didn't look. I think he had one good pass down the seam or whatever, and I don't know. I don't know why. No, why, he didn't. why we're talking about? I don't know why we're talking about more. <laughs> 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 Felton looked so in touch with everything. It just felt seamless compared to what we've seen for so many years. Yes, absolutely. All right, so let me let me uh, let me phrase it this way then, and then you guys can respond. The positive of what we saw tonight was that um, the offense put up over 500 yards and six touchdowns. Um, we distributed the ball really well. Penix looked great. I think we're all in love with Grubb. I mean, that, he couldn't have called a better game as far as I'm concerned. Um, the concerns would be that we averaged 3.9 yards a carry against a really bad uh, defense. And uh, that kids, the, our outside pass rush wasn't anything what I was expecting it to be whatsoever. And our defensive backs look pretty uh, pretty bad for most of the game. So, what do you guys? What are your response to what I just said there? So, are you saying the outside pass rush was bad or good? What were you expecting out of the outside? Well, I was ex- I was expecting us to be vulnerable up at the middle, which we were, and I was expecting us to be coming on uh, really hot off the edge there and, and terrorizing their quarterback at times. And we never saw that. I thought I thought the pass rush on the outside was like there at times, but the tackling was just the tackling was just really poor. Yes. And I thought I, I I've been worried and suspect about the interior offensive line uh you know, coming into the season and it seems like when they try to go when try they try to gash up the middle they just can't do it. Uh they, they get them outside and off the tackles. They, you know, whoever it was, a running back or, a, you know, like a bubble screen or, or whatever, you know, it looked a lot better getting them outside, you know. Um, yeah, by the way, isn't it refreshing to see fucking wide receiver screens work? Yes, <laughs> like yes. Even, even if they're only for like six, six yards, but it's just like, Wow, this is what it looks like when they work. <laughs> and and we would take guys that have speed and we would spread the field and get them outside and we wouldn't try to we weren't trying to pound a 165 pound running back up the middle against the with a line that can't block. Yeah, it seems like there was like uh throw, you know, they they'd have like the little throwaway plays where they're like, "Okay, well we're just going to, you know, we're doing our you know, our read, our read option, you know, uh, our RPO, and we're just going to hand it off. Just just hand it off. It's, it's first first and ten, just hand it off, and, you know, just so they can bite later on it. And it, it worked. You know, it worked a couple times. There was a nice play Penix made where he, uh, he uh, did, a, you know, did a little RPO and, and uh, fucking hit. Uh, I think it might have been O'Dunsey, like on a slant pattern or whatever, and it was like it was like yeah. oh hell yeah it's okay that that's what the that's what handing it off every once in a while gets you and I I don't know I, that uh, Tuala Papa I don't know his fucking name Tuala Papa 
I mean, it looks a lot better than looks a lot better than Dick Newton. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, our receivers. We had ten different receivers catch the ball. Three different receivers caught touchdown passes. Two of them were uh, McMillan caught two of them. Three different tight ends caught passes. And we even did a like a, what was that like a flea flicker that went to a tight end going deep with Culp. Uh, uh oh, Dunze. Uh, oh, Dunze was wide fucking open, but the play like took way too long to develop, and I don't think Pennington mm. makes a throw. I mean, he would have had to heave it like sixty yards down the field. I mean, no, Dunze had a, he had like ten yards on on his guy. Oh wow. Yeah, he was wide fucking open. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. But even even Culp even Culp was wide open, and uh, you know he drew the foul or whatever, and then he made up for it by drop, <laughs> dropping the next. Play. <laughs> <laughs> and there were comments. Uh, there were comments directed at Fudgy on the board right after that, but. <laughs> oh yeah, I I I, uh, I added him on the board. <laughs> well, the players that Fudgy was saying was he was saying they were elite. That would be that would be Small and Culp, and there was one other person I'm forgetting, but I don't know, like Julius Irvin, you know. Well, I was really high on him hold. for a while. He had a really bad hold. Um, I man. Someone, someone's gonna have to explain to me at, at some point. Um, someone's gonna have to explain to me. It's, we just slammed on the brakes. Really. <laughs> wow. uh, someone's gonna have to explain to me the the Giles Jackson fandom here. I don't, I don't get it. Probably never will get it. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't hate him like a handful of people do, but I. I, I wonder. Why, I am wondering why do we not have any other person we could try back there for for kickoff returns? I don't understand. Apparently not. What did He's he, okay. He did something. He did something else late in the game that fucking annoyed the shit out of me. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Drop a pass. It's like you maybe dropped a pass or. I don't know, whipped on a block or something. Yeah. It's like, dude, come on, man. Yeah. I, so he I had four uh, cake. I think that Will Nixon can do can do whatever Giles Jackson can fucking do. Well, I think he is. I that's, think, yeah. He that's a fair statement. Yeah. So, yeah, Jackson had four kickoff returns for 92 yards, an average of 23 yards. He also fumbled one. Yeah. Um, yeah, two catches for 21 you know, yards. There, yeah, our kickoff coverage was just poor they, as hell. It, it was horrible. Two were really bad. Yeah. First two or three were, First two or three were bad. But bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a little weird. But they, I think they patched it up as they went on. But the first, the first two or three were really bad. Uh, it was like another thing. But, I mean... That's why they punted once. Yeah. No, twice, I think twice. twice. Yeah, one was like a 13-yard punt. It was pretty bad. Um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. It was a tw- yeah, 20 yards. <clears throat> yeah, the, the, husky, 
the Husky legend was announced after the first quarter. Uh, that's kinda, Who was that's it? kinda weird. Yeah, it was kinda weird. It was uh Dan Lloyd. Dan Lloyd. Yeah. Dan Lloyd. Oh yeah. wow, yeah. Old Dan Lloyd. Old Dan Lloyd. He played with Lawrence Taylor uh, alongside him at linebacker with the Giants before he got cancer. Yeah, that's what they they pointed out. He he survived cancer, you know. So not good for him. Uh, In fact, he was he was he was alongside Harry Carson and Lawrence Taylor, who are both in the Hall of Fame. So that was quite a a linebacking core at one point there. So, bam. Yeah. Um, what else? Little things. Um, I don't know what what was the announced attendance. Oh, I never heard. I'm looking at ESPN's thing here. Let's see if they show it. Because uh, I'm looking at the box score here. So let me switch over. I'm not 100%. No, no. Okay, have you seen it? Uh, well, uh, we're, we're having a lot of dead air here, though, so we can keep talking, but uh, we have to I keep got, the I listeners 50, in mind. I got 56,000. Oh, my God. Like That's, I, I, just, I just laid eyes on that, yep. Give yeah. me a fucking break, people. Come on. Yeah. Well, that's nothing new. That's what they do. Well, you know, we were talking about it. It was like, um, we were talking about it earlier um, when we were kind of gathering at a, um, you know, our little meetup before we get on the bus. Um, You know, what if, what if, here's a hypothetical. What if the 2020 season was canceled? They didn't play one fucking game altogether. Okay, this is a freezer. Yeah, how, how, bad, how, bad, how, how bad would the attendance be if they did that? How, you know? how bad would the attendance be if they did what? If they canceled 2020 season altogether, how bad would the attendance be? You mean for right now? The the effects yeah, from that for, point for to right now? now we, you, you have a total cancellation of the 2020 mm. season, and then you have you couple it with last year, you know the Jimmy Lake just complete debacle. Like how bad, you know, how bad would it be? Well, I mean, if we're talking you like could, you, literal. But you could argue we're lucky seat. to get fifty thousand fans. Well, you said that uh, at the beginning of the game when we were texting, you said you thought there were thirty-five thousand there, maybe, or no, you said forty thousand, maybe. And Wooly Dukes at 35. So I would think we'd probably be 30 to 35. Probably closer to 30, but... Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, because, you know, I I made the analogy of, you know, the this is us talking earlier in the day, like, okay, the Sonic leaving... Um, I don't want the NBA back. I, I don't, I don't want to... You know, I've already grieved the death of the team. It's hard to get me back into, you know, something that's been gone for 15 years or whatever. You know, it's like, you know, if you they can't view canceled, him as a stepdad. What's that? You can't view the new Sonics as a stepdad. Yeah, 
I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not taking, I'm moving out. I'm getting my shit and I'm fucking moving out. Uh, no, it, it, you canceled the season like you, you essentially killed the program for a year. And then, you know, you're trying to start it up, you know, again or whatever. It almost would feel like a brand new program. I mean, right. you know, if it weren't for the Big Ten, if it weren't for the Big Ten, you know, kind of nutting up and reneging on their deal with the Pac-12 and, you know, wanting to play football again, you know, we'd be, I mean, who the fuck knows where we, you know, we might not even be at this game. I mean, there could be 20,000 people, you know, at this game. And Jimmy Lake is still the coach, and there's just no, nothing, you know, no buzz in the program. It could be completely dead, so... There's an alternate world out there where there's nobody shows up to this game. Well, and that really wasn't much of a crowd, though, based on what you said. No, and the, the crowd, like, sort of got into it. But, uh, yeah, there was – it wasn't – I'm really hoping, fingers crossed, for Michigan State to be, uh, you know well, – Oh, I yeah, think it will be. Yeah, I don't think that they may not even sell out, but I think there'll be like six, legitimately sixty to sixty-five thousand people there, and you know, probably seven thousand will be for Michigan State. But uh, um, you know, but you know, it's like when Kent State uh, they scored their their touchdown and they were trying to stay within shouting distance, and then you hear Petros, and I like Petros, but he's uh, he's sitting there. Think how Kent State is, is, you know, standing strong in this tough environment. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> Seriously, that so that sucks. That that sucks. I love Petros. <laughs> he was also saying what a great job Jen Cohen did, and I think that's just him trying to fluff up the UW and the Pac-12 or whatever. But. Oh, I mean, what, lucked her way into a good coach, you know? She put on her leopard outfit and threw down the tread note, and she saw the video. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go get well, a football know. coach. Let's go get a football coach. You know, and, and, and we want to focus on the positives, and in fact, we did win. But I'll say, you know, her, her bringing in Jimmy Lake cratered this program, you know, so it's like, you, you, you know, regardless of what Petro says, you don't escape that stink, you know. So, and, and Baseman was on the boards tonight insisting, uh, telling everybody, hey, just keep in mind that Jen's out at the end of the year. So, um, he certainly has connections and sources, so he might be hearing things, but. Who's, who said she's out at the end of the year? Baseman. Oh. Nice. He was posting that tonight on the boards at Hardcore Husky. So, uh, she is she uh, retiring or just she's she's fucking gone? Uh, I don't know if he got specific in whether he said gone or I mean I would assume it's going to be a stepping down. Just like with where they paid Jimmy Lake when he didn't deserve to get bought out like that. I'm sure that uh, regardless of of what's going on inside the athletic department and with boosters or whatever that, you know, they would allow Cohen the dignity to step down instead of being fired or whatever. And, you know, 
do you, does any of us really think that the university president wants her gone anyways, you know? I don't think she cares. As long as there's no scandals, you know? So... But, so we're, anyway, so we're kind of rooting, rooting for a scandal again. <laughs> oh no 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 no, not me. No, I, I don't I don't want her in there. But I I don't wish any ill on her. I just you know and and um, you know I've heard from multiple boosters, uh, three or four different boosters. They all say they really like her personally and she's really good to them or whatever. But they all think she's incompetent, you know. So. There is pressure, I guess, on some level, but I don't know. Um, you know, uh, I like I like DeBoer. I think that everybody likes DeBoer to some to some degree. I love Grub. I love what he's doing so far. I mean, I I could not be happier with the game that Grub called. He 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 did everything that I would want a coordinator to do. Yeah, I didn't even I with didn't the, care for the I didn't care for the trick plays. I don't think we need to. I don't think we needed to do the gimmicky shit, you know, um, this early well, in the year. But it's not like you know, we did I, five different ones. We rolled yeah. out one or two. Not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, but most of it was just uh, most of it was the same kind of passing schemes and and uh, not a lot of different formations. So so I don't think they had to show a lot of uh, I don't think they had to show a lot of stuff know out there today so, so no that but was, they that's, spread, that's they, nice to see they spread the field they and they just yeah. what they did was just they employed common sense with the with the situation whatever the given situation and um instead of just trying to like we're going to take this square we're going to pound it into this hole this circular <laughs> hole no matter what we're going to keep hammering away you know we didn't do that <laughs> Uh, Bruce Lee oh, had that comment: "Be be like water, right? We were like water." Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny. We were. Uh, uh, one of my friends was asking about, uh, you know, John John Donovan has uh, has a good savings account because he'll probably never get hired again. And you know, I I. I took a screenshot of his Twitter profile because it still says mm-hmm. University of Washington offensive coordinator. With like a plain purple hat on. <laughs> yeah, with like a plain purple hat on. <laughs> you, you know he's in the NFL, though, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a defensive consultant for the uh, right. Packers. That's somebody it's doing a- him a solid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a defensive consultant. And I, I didn't even know this. He was a, like a... He's like a linebacker or a defensive back in college. He didn't even play. Oh, that's offense. interesting. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, Marcus Tuiasosopo at one point was a tight end coach, which I thought was odd. So yeah, but the same same side of the ball at least. You know? Touche. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Tui. Uh, yeah, I think he's the offensive coordinator at Rice. Yep, I don't think they it's had a going rough day well. today. <laughs> no, unfortunately. But yeah. uh, so by the way, are you guys uh, you guys are like Penn and Teller tonight. Is Wooly even there? 
I'm a little tired, but uh, I'm a little tired by being fine. He drank. He drank. I didn't. Okay, well, just as long as Joey's not shielding Willie from the microphone or anything, then we're good. We don't have yeah, egos blowing, flaring out of control here. Yeah, nobody's he's, he's laughing. I, I'm joking, he's, guys. He's he's just staring down the bunkhouse, wanting to go to bed. <laughs> I'm actually very tired. Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll we'll go a few more minutes here, though. Year, I was like yelling. Yeah, we were yelling, drunk, yelling. Yeah, Portland State will be like fifty-six to seventeen, something like that. No, I never thought. Yeah, that. I, I got to say, I got to say the uh, um, the quarterback on the other team, like that guy, that guy was a mm-hmm. fucking gamer, you know. That guy was mm-hmm. a gamer, you know. He he pulled he. Like I said, there was you know Trice was in the backfield like quite a few times, and he just made him look silly a couple times, you know, but. You know, that's what you would want out of a, a guy that, uh, I mean, he was basically their whole fucking offense. I mean, I think he led their team in rushing. Um, they had the big, fat-looking back who got nothing for nothing. Yeah, he was that 250-pound back. Yeah. yeah, I read about him. Yeah, yeah he, he sucked. He sucked. I, I mean, I, you could say if they had a stiff for a quarterback, yeah, that, that could have been like 52 to 0. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that quarterback changed everything. Uh, there was a couple plays where, in person, sitting there, we were like, physically did not even know how he got out of the sack. Like, they was like, multiple guys converging on him, and all of a sudden he flaked, and he was, he, he was like 15 years downfield. So, yeah, he had, he had some fucking balls on him. Yeah, if they had, like, a, just a run-of-the-mill, you know, shooting quarterback, that would have been, like, a 52-3 game. So, that is, did make a difference. Yeah, good point. And I, I can tell you, you guys will see later, but uh, the white trash really came out on the boards during the second half tonight, and they're still posting on there. And uh, Mike Seaver and Creepy Cougar, Creepy Cougar going at it like like sports lovers. So <laughs> About what? <laughs> they've been going at it literally for like three hours back and forth. So, Creepy Coog <laughs> is taunting him about, you know, the Ducks getting humiliated on national TV today, and then Mike Seaver's trying to fight back, and uh, I think his main argument is uh, how pathetic it is that uh, Washington's so obsessed with Oregon, and and it's... Uh, it's it's uh, it's a soupy mess here at Art Gorowski right now. I mean, it's not a good day for the 
conference. I mean, the Oregon, I mean, that looked like 2001 Miami versus the Huskies, and I don't think that Georgia team is anyone in the universe of 2001 Miami. And then you, worse than that, I mean, Utah is losing that a Florida team that I'm sure is going to go like, told you, 7-5, told you. And Utah, I mean, clearly is the best team in the Pac-12, you know, coming in or com- coming out last year going into next year. I mean, it's not – it was not a good opener for the conference at all. That that combination, I mean, pretty much dead on arrival. Uh, now, can I give you a – Yeah. That, can I give you another stat now? Yeah. The opening weekend for the SEC, the SEC went – Fourteen and zero. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's more. It does. That, that is what it is. It's just so different. I mean, I was watching on Thursday. It was Purdue against Penn State, which is you know Purdue is like what they're practically the fucking Oregon State of uh, uh, the Pac-12 or Arizona or something. And, their stadium is packed. They're playing just the run of the middle conference game against Penn State, and it's just electric. And you're just like, and that stadium probably seats like at least fifty thousand people. And like, you come out to the West Coast, and you're just like, fucking stud, like for for anything. And it's just impressive. Uh, it just means more in the SEC. Uh, it's just clearly what it is. I mean, Utah, Utah was supposed to be the class of the Pac-12, but they lost. On the, granted, on the road, so, I mean, a Florida team that I, I would be shocked if they win more than six or seven games. Agreed. And, I mean, Oregon just, it looked like a fucking, that looked like an FCS school playing a fucking Georgia. I mean, that's just, and, you know, I was probably a little bit, I think the combination of Oregon surprising me against Ohio State last year and Georgia having to replace so many players kind of got me, it's just my general fear of everything going right for Oregon kind of had me forgetting who they were. But, I mean, I was still shocked about how bad that looked. Uh, you know, it, it didn't look like George Lee had, like, they didn't have, like, Matt Stafford and uh, Todd Gurley and, you know, all these just outrageous athletes. other like a tight end and, and it, like a, a defensive tackle or two. It did not look like just a stunning team and, it just looked like an FCS school, totally outmatched. And those two, those two combinations of things just looked fucking terrible for the Pac-12. And if you're a kid who wants to go play in the Pac-12, you know, in the future. Yeah, and then and then uh, Colorado getting fucking <laughs> boat raised last yeah. night by TCU was ugly. Again, just yeah, playing a TCU team that looks like a run-in-the-middle TCU game, and not just that they got blown out, they just looked like an FCS school playing playing a power conference team. It's just, that was the big thing to me with Oregon and Colorado. Just like, yeah, they just didn't look like they belonged on belonged the same field across the board. Uh, yeah. I mean, they've clearly just given up on football. I mean, uh, almost I, once, you know, I, at least I, I we hired DeBoer. So it looks like we care somewhat, but it's like yeah, Colorado yeah. just does not care. Yeah, Washington cares. I think you know. I think it's been thinned out a lot. I think one thing I do notice is 
going to our section, it never seems like we have the same people in our section anymore. And I remember growing up, you know, we had yes. tickets for decades growing up. Year after yes. year, it was the same people around you. And I feel like every year now, it's just like totally different, totally, totally different people. For now, for a long time running, and I don't know, I think the new stadium just kind of came some of the, like, mystique about the, like, not the mystique, just the feel of it. But, yeah, that's a tell. I just feel like it used to always be the same people, which is just culture. Uh, and there's still some of it there. I just, you know, where I feel like it's not Colorado, but it's not fucking Purdue either. Uh, it's changed. And they might need to. You know. Yeah. You know, what I, uh, you just jarred a memory for me, though, because, like, uh, for several years through the uh, through through part of the '80s, there into the late '80s when I was growing up, um, my dad and I sat on the south side uh, upper deck around the five yard line, and we had the same people around us every year. Yeah. And right right in front of us, there was an elderly guy and his forty uh, something year old son that would sit in front of us, and the son's name was Arnie, and. I remember, like, uh, he would always, <laughs> he would always, like, get really upset during the games, and he'd always yell, come on, Millen, do something! And, uh, <laughs> and, he, and even if the defense was out there, he'd be yelling at Millen, and he just hated Hugh Millen. And, uh, uh, anyway, so there's just a random memory there, but, uh, you, when you say the same people around us, and then I had that, uh, it was just, it was, I don't want to say it was like family, but it was like, it was like the gang's all here. Oh, you know, hey, there's yeah. so-and-so and there's so-and-so and you've known them for years now because they're always sitting next to you. And, and you're right. It's, it's different now. Yeah, oh, well, I, I shouldn't I, even say, I should, I want to clarify that. I've been to two home games since 2016, so I shouldn't talk like <laughs> that. But my perception is that it's changed a, a bit. So I should be careful yeah. what I'm saying there, but. Yeah, no, it has. Uh, and I've noticed that. I mean, it's, yeah, it's way different. I can picture the people that were in our section for years. Yes. Uh, and I don't see any of them anywhere any, anywhere near us. I think they're all gone. And Yeah, I don't I don't know who's interesting where they are. I, I do like to see, you do see people where it still seems like a family thing and stuff like that. It might not even be necessarily people who went to the school. Uh, it's good to see them kind of like floating around, but it's, yeah, it's different, but it's not Colorado, so they have the opportunity here, I think, to, it'll never be what it was, but to kind of, like, keep something going and see maybe if they can join the Big Ten or something, what happens from there, but, you know, it's, uh, it's hanging by a thread. Well, you, you need to have an electrifying moment with a lot of people that are young, that are kind of catching that fever for the first time. And then uh, you need to make it stick, and you need to have yeah. some sustained success after that. Uh, like the the Stanford game of 2016, at that time, I thought that was going to be the equivalent of like the 1981 USC game when I was 10 years old, and what that meant to me. Um, but it, it it ended up not doing that. You don't you don't see the you don't see the fans. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, we haven't seen, we haven't seen, that didn't pay off like I thought it would. I think we probably all thought it would pay off. Yeah, I think it's just like, you know, I think even like, 
I wasn't there in either of the games. I think later that year, the USD game that year, which kind of came up on the board earlier this week, was kind of the follow-up game. But that game was such a thud. I think yes. that kind of hit. I think it was later in the year. It was a little cool. I think the, the yep. Huskies were still undefeated. They were ranked, what, like two or three? And yep. Yeah, so yeah. That, that, was, uh, that was kind of a game that was the start of when it was like, okay, here we go. I remember it was you know, it was a big electric atmosphere, and it was kind of just a big thud. And then from there, it just kind of unraveled. And even if they kept winning, you know, they won the conference in 18. They went they won, they went to the Fiesta Bowl in 17, but they just felt like it was a collection of uh, quieter thuds from that point. It just never probably took off and grabbed the grabbed the generation it could have. So it's all at the board now. But you know, I'm I'm. I'm optimistic with this guy. I think a lot of us are. So, yeah, I like the I like the Mister Nice Guy attitude all the way through the uh, all the way through the week, and then uh, doesn't mind kind of trying to get to fifty points, you know, with the backup quarterback <laughs> late in the fourth Great quarter. Point. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Just fucking. Yep. Don uh, James is taking knees there, and I, I liked it. We let's get fifty. Yeah, what what is what do they say? John James would would love to win a game on nine field goals and a safety or something to get to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't I don't know about that, but John James once he said there was only one coach in all of college football that he would run it up against, and it was somebody down at like New Mexico State or something that was putting seventy points on the board back in the late seventies, early eighties, or something. Um, but you know, um, when Washington Washington had a 54 to nothing lead over Oregon in 1977, and had the ball on like the Oregon two yard line with two minutes left, and they and they he had Warren Moon take three knees. God, <laughs> love to have love to have that back. <laughs> love to have that back. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh by the way, we can't end this podcast without um saying one thing. I think that you could argue that the best player on the field tonight was Dante Cephas from Kent State. I was really impressed with him. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh I think he's the guy I pointed out that you know, he's like their number one returning player. Well, along with the, some little tiny running back they had, but their running back the didn't OKG. do shit. Yeah, no. their, their, their running back didn't do shit. But yeah, that Cephas guy was pretty good. He he seemed like a, an NFL kind of guy. Yeah, I, uh, unless unless they made N- him look good. There's a lot of NFL looking <laughs> receivers on the field today. So. And um, so and uh, I don't know. We haven't really mentioned O'Dunsey. I think uh, Joey, you mentioned him once, but um, big big game for him today, and it's going to be the first of many for him this season. Yeah, I've been kind of waiting for him to him to pop, you know. But I mean, yep. granted, the off, the offense sucked last year, but um, yeah, he had a hard time catching balls and shit last year. Um. Uh, yeah, really, really good looking receiver. 
I mean, Polk, Davis, you know, McMillan looks kind of small uh, when he's running alongside them. Uh-huh. And he's like he's like six foot one or something like that. I mean, they've got some big they've got some big dudes now. I'd like to see McMillan put on ten pounds of muscle, though. Yeah, he never he never has. But you always gotta wait for it. It never seems to happen. And I know he caught five passes for eighty-seven yards and two touchdowns, but I don't see a guy that's fighting for every ball yet. Yeah, it's probably one of those guys that comes from, you know, seven-on-seven camps where everything's just too easy, you know, and isn't used to having to be scrappy and, you know, contest for balls and shit. But, uh, you know, but Don James always said uh, that the biggest improvement of the whole season happened between game one and game two, so... Let's, uh, you know, we'll hopefully, uh, I know we'll win against Portland State. Hopefully it'll be, I'm thinking it'll be 56-17, but I'd like to see 56 to nothing. But, um, and then uh, we'll get ready for Michigan State, and I think the anticipation building up to that game will be a lot of fun. So, yeah, yeah, for sure, should be. So, I think we could probably call it a night unless there's anything else you guys want to touch upon here. I think we're good. Nope. Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hu- hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is... Sh- which is a shit show of politics and strange news. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level level of cyber peyote, peyote, come join Swain's Wigwarm. (laughs) I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I have to redo that one, but... <laughs>